Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're going to continue in Samson's story, but I want to give a quick flashback for context, very pivotal context, so you appreciate the events of this text. Earlier in this chapter, in verse 3, we know that Samson has just demanded that this Philistine woman from Timnah is the one that he wants for his wife, based strictly on the fact that he just saw her, right? Hence the word uh, lust in the title of this series, Failure, Lust, and Loss. Here's 14.3. This is a recap. But his father and mother said to him, can't you find a young woman among your relatives? A little bit weird. Or among any of our people? More reasonable. Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines for a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. Now his father and mother did not know this was from the Lord who wanted the Philistines to provide an opportunity. Uh, he wanted the Philistines to provide an opportunity for a confrontation. At that time, the Philistines were ruling Israel. This is the critical word that I wanted to remind us of. Uh, this was from the Lord. God knew and foreknew every one of the mistakes that Samson would make. And he is sovereignly orchestrating all of these things together for the good of his collective people, Israel. So even as Samson thinks he's doing what is right in his own eyes, God is sovereignly orchestrating all of it. He can redeem even our mistakes. Not a single mistake we make or sin we commit dethrones God or robs him of his sovereignty or his, his omniscience, which what I believe would encompass his foreknowledge. Here's chapter 14, verse 17. So this is supposed to be Samson's wedding feast. It's supposed to be a week long. And depending on which ancient text you read, whether it's the Septuagint, the Masoretic text, the Syriatic text, uh, she's been weeping uh, like for, you know, the, the, the whole feast, basically. And she's nagged Samson into giving her the interpretive key for his riddle. Here is verse 17. She wept the whole seven days of the feast, and at last on the seventh day he explained it to her because she had nagged him so much. Then she explained it to her people. On the seventh day before the sunset, the men of the city said to him, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? All right, so remember, she has explained it to her people. That's really where her loyalties lie, but she was also, they had threatened to murder her and her father and her father's family. So she felt she had no choice. She was trying to save lives. If she had a real marriage, she could have gone to her supernaturally strong husband and she would have been fine. Her family, her father's family would have been fine. But instead, she gives them the, the key to this riddle and then they come back with the answer. If uh, So Samson replies to these men, if you hadn't plowed with my young cow, you wouldn't know my riddle now. Funny, it just so happens to rhyme in English, okay? Uh, so he gives them a riddle. They respond with uh, sort of a vague riddle. And then his, his accusation, uh, uh, like his, his accusation is like, you cheated. But he was cheating them. There's also something else you got to know. Uh, even if you've read the Book of Song of Songs, a Hebrew love song, uh, you would you would know like young cow, man. That's not something that you call your wife, right? There's there is a deep jab. 
at his brand new bride, you know, by the way, this marriage has not yet been consummated. Um, there's a deep insult toward his wife built into his rebuttal, okay, or like his response to their response. Now, this is pivotal. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him, that's Samson, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men. He stripped them and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. In a rage, Samson returned to his father's house, and his wife was given to one of the men who had accompanied him. So let's work backwards through this, explaining it. This was wrong. This was wrong. Uh, the bride's father had no reason to believe that Samson had called the wedding off, but she's given in marriage to another uh, another man, one of the one of the thirty uh, with whom the wager had been placed. They've been they've been put in position to kind of watch Samson, and one of them ends up, you know, with with Samson's bride as his own bride. Uh, he has been covered with the spirit of the Lord, whom we know from our earlier text is the one who's using all of this. The Lord actually wanted a confrontation between the Philistines and the Israelites. Well, now we've got one. And the 30 casualties that it costs Philistia were really ordained by the Lord. But they happen, the, the number happens to be because Samson needed 30 outfits. The bet was, if you guys can solve this riddle, I'll give each of you you know, clothing and a change of clothes. And if I, and if I win this bet, you all have to give me your clothing. Okay. Which was expensive. So that's the reason that he kills 30 men in verse 19, because he needs 30 outfits. So the way that he kills them, I guess, has to be strategic. So he stripped them and gave their clothes to those who explained the riddle. And so he is outraged. But then where does he go? We see this over and over again in Samson's marriage. He's more loyal to his parents than he is to his bride. She's more loyal to her family than she is to her husband. And if the two of them had a real marriage from the start, uh, man, I don't think any of this would have happened. Also, Samson's, you know, initial compromise, going into a vineyard. He shouldn't be there. He's a Nazareth. Touching the lion's carcass. He shouldn't do that. He's a Nazareth. Taking the, uh, the honey out of it. He shouldn't do that. He's a Nazareth sharing it with his parents. He shouldn't do that. They're now complicit in his violation, telling a weird riddle without the interpretive key, raising the stakes so that it's costly. He shouldn't do that. All right. He's not speaking a, a godly proverb out of love. He's giving a riddle that's unsolvable to win a bet. It's not a bet at all. It's a sham. He's effectively robbing them. They then, I mean, go full nuclear and put human lives at stake over this bet. Okay, so they're at fault too, but in the end, uh, Samson returns to his father's house. Okay, so he's left his bride at the week-long feast that was supposed to celebrate their marriage. All right, and then what happens? Uh, he, Samson is betrayed even further by the Philistine myth. But the big picture, all in all, we still see God's will realized. God wanted a confrontation. And Samson is the kind of guy who is, you know, uh, quite culpable <laughs> of stirring up confrontation. So he is covered with the spirit of the Lord very powerfully. That strength is on loan from God. Samson thinks that he's taking revenge. He thinks that he's just 
paying back the debt that he never expected to owe because he's the one who made up this riddle in the first place and didn't give them the interpretive key. But what's really happening is God is at work. God wanted this confrontation because he had marked the Philistines to receive his wrath. This will be a theme as we continue through the book of Judges studying the story of Samson. Samson will think that he's carrying out personal revenge, but actually he's being used of God. Consider that today in your workplace. If you encounter a personal vendetta, okay, wow, watch. God is sovereign. Even this could be redeemed. If you have personally settled scores with others, would you ask the Lord to redeem even that mistake? He did it with Samson. He can do it with you. Do it in your coworkers' lives. Beefus.